I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone, it's Sean here from Road to Cast. Also, I played Tariq this season for Homeland. At the top of the episode, this is just to let you all know you may have noticed this as part one. The postseason meditation we did this season went a lot longer than we expected it to. There were so many questions to get through, which we loved, but it meant that we wanted to take our time and we also had a lot to say. So I've decided to break it up in two parts because it was two hours worth of recording. So you'll get a whole bunch of questions this week and a whole bunch of questions next week. Part one, part two, it's very Avatar-ish. So we really hope you enjoy this pair of episodes and thank you so much for all the questions you sent our way. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to Roll to Cast. This is our postseason episode. We have done it. 32 episodes have wrapped. Oh, season seven, and we are back around the black table. And uh, I am Sean. I played the role of uh, Tariq, who was our resident uh, waterbending. What was he called? The rogue. rogue. Yeah. The rogue. Yes. rogue with so his always, roguish charm. Always <laughs> some rogue-like bacteria. <laughs> bacterium. I don't and, know. Um, I'm joined by. Hello, I'm Ellen, uh, and I played Kana Hoshi, who was the firebending successor, now prodigy. Oh. Ooh. Were you idealist? Sorry. When didn't you become idealist? <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long 32 episodes. Uh, yes, I was. Like, what do you mean the sheet in front of me? It's literally in front of me. Stop, I'm tired. <laughs> Phil, what are you, who are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm Phil. I played Zhang uh, and I was a martial character and I played 
The Hammer. Oh. Ooh. And uh, our, our, our newest uh, member of yes, Roadcast, player of Roadcast. Indeed, indeed. Uh, my name is Zola and I played Clove, uh, who was the guardian slash healer of the group. Oh. Yeah. So with the hand and movements Earth as well. And yeah. 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 And what uh, did finally, you do, Chris? <laughs> led by... Uh, hello, I'm Chris. <laughs> I ran the game and did all the uh, cra- strange voices that... That everyone heard. And some of the critters. Loads of duos. Yeah. Loads of comedy duos. Yeah. Lots, of comedy duos. Lots of you speaking to each other. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, you did a few of the strange little critters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always a delight. So first of all, for those that have uh, never heard an episode of Homeland, what are you doing? Go back and the, listen yeah, to Homeland. Yeah, this is probably Homeland. not the best place to jump Don't in. No, here. I think it'll be so fun. Don't go to HBO's <laughs> Homelander. Wait, no. What is it called? What's that show? Homelander, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Homelander? Wow, wow. that's a pool. I love that. I thought it was just Homeland. Was that with Claire Danes? Yeah, with Claire Danes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Homelander is the baddie from The Boys. Oh, The Boys. Uh, boys, boys, boys. Yeah. But, uh, different shows. Anyway, so listen to the season. And then when you come back to this, so what do we do? This is our postseason wrap up that we do at the end of every season. We're basically, we look back on the season that was, uh, talk about our thoughts, our feelings, you know, probe each other for questions and queries. And also hear from you lovely listeners, because we got some delightful questions from our Discord, from our Twitter, and we'll be answering them today. And maybe... Maybe a little little sneak preview of what's to come next season. Ooh. That's kind of the way we are we are formulated here. So um, I don't know if anyone. Um, I think we'll just talk about we'll talk about ourselves first, and then we'll get on to the listener questions afterwards. But like, how does everyone feel? How does everyone feel kind of coming back? Because we listened to the episode together, the final episode. Well, it's interesting. We've n- this has been the uh, a record Blake. <laughs> Cut that. No, don't laugh because then it's content. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Keep it. A record, no, a record-breaking season for Rolltocast in two different ways. It's our first PG season, oh, which yeah. was a yeah. challenge, um, you know. Yes, it was. Because we're all, I don't know, we all use a bit of... Uh, bit of language. Rude, colourful language. Rude colourful language, language yeah. yes. Profanities. Yes. Well, speak for yourselves. <laughs> I've never sworn on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, on this podcast. Sean, if you have any edits of Zola swearing. I can I can actually tell you the two people that did were that the two me. people that were just talking, Zola and Ellen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really almost uh, swore then. Yeah. I really held that yeah. back. Um, but also, I believe it's our longest season. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, Previously held by myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just feel like it's been a really interesting season in... I feel feel like some of the seasons like certain characters take more of a lead or have more of a complete arc uh but really in listening back to homeland i was really aware of how all of these characters managed to have kind of several little mini arcs over time and grow as an ensemble which uh has just been a real treat to listen to um so that was really cool and i i guess for me i uh looking back as well i feel like there was definitely like growing pains with the mechanics. I feel like sometimes there's more clunk with um, mechanics that <laughs> it's, it's almost counterintuitive, right? Where the game is not very, it, the game is more role play heavy, but because the role play and the mechanics are meshed in a way of kind of actors improv, <laughs> Yeah. There's a bit of growing pains of There's like. There's a lot of negotiation. Yes, it's, the apocalypse, it's, baby. It's, yeah. it's almost like feeling bl- like, uh, you know, fumbling around on a pool table. 
hoping that you can like knock the balls into like like <laughs> what an analogy thank you thank you like knock the balls into the, and, and sink them and that's when you go oh we've triggered a mechanic here yes um, yeah. we're all avid pool players here as well yes. yeah I, like, I don't know why i picked pool today that's how we all met actually i don't want to speak too much to that because i know that people want to know about the mechanics. people want to talk they about know that, that yeah. they're in the questions so, um, but there was foreboding. just yeah. I just remember there being I, and and listening back as well. Uh, there's that definite growing pain uh, to when we just start getting more comfortable calling out specific mechanics and enmeshing it in the role play that way. Um, and there was a real joy to that. And there's always really a, a joy to having a new face on the podcast as well. Mm. Um, uh, even though uh, Zola and I laugh in a very similar way. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, was that me or Ellen? Yeah, yeah. because I, I think our normal voices and our character voices are quite different. But when we get silly... Yeah, we, we also do the, same, we also do the same accents as when well. We, yeah, when we get silly together, we always end up doing the same voice. Yeah. So we go like, I've got to say, I had a very surreal yeah. moment <laughs> editing the podcast, the last episode in particular, so last week's episode, where I thought I made the most incredible joke. And it sounded like a joke I had made. But then I looked at the timeline, it was Chris. You uh-huh. made the joke and you sounded oh. exactly like me. I was like, oh, that was such a good joke. Wow. Well done. <laughs> it was I'll, just, I'll just swap those on the time. Yeah. Do you remember what the joke was? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's actually at the very beginning of um, episode 32 where uh, um, Ellen, by mistake, says um, the Prince of Prince. Uh, oh. Prince of Princes. And then there's a, there's, a, there's a gap and then you just hear... Jesus, <laughs> and it's a hundred percent you. That, I, that is a very on-brand, uh, a very on joke. Brand joke. I was yeah. like, oh, Jesus, that makes sense. Yeah. Jesus, that uh, I want to show off a couple of things you, you said there. I think the fact that it is an ensemble season with kind of like mini episode arcs, they don't like they don't like neatly fit into individual episodes. But you can see how this is the Iron Village bit. This is the Senlin Village bit. This is the the old man in the heart bit, you know, it feels like the TV show uh, mm. and it feels like an ensemble TV show as well. So I think that's part of the reason it went so long is that we were trying to honour each of those arcs and each of the characters for better or worse. I just think that's kind of maybe an explanation for that. But also um, the other things, you know, the the idea that it is a PG season and listening back to it, I was like, oh, this is great. We It really feels like a kids tv show mm. yeah like i don't want to say that you know we got cheesy but we're very earnest we it's it's a real permission to be really earnest uh, and like even even in our other kind of wholesome season kids on bikes there's a certain amount of cynicism yes yeah. there's a kind of darkness <laughs> to that world it's there's it the undercurrent is very creepy the, you there's know, a lot pe- more swears there's a lot more swears yeah whereas this felt re- it's really wholesome it's really forthright we get to wear all our emotions on our sleeves and I I, I know that I got very speechy Zhang's <laughs> mm. <laughs> thing was like you sly dog you got me monologuing <laughs> giving <laughs> speeches and it, the game really gave us permission to do that yeah. which I thought was really really nice uh, and yeah, it's it's good to to be earnest and wholesome and not feel bad about it and just be like, yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about friendship and honor and justice and and trust. Yeah, I really liked that, like uh, stripping away the layers of cynicism in this this recording. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I obviously have two ties to the game because I'm there for the as a character, but then I'm there for the edit the entire way through, and I kind of have the. Uh, the job of structuring it right and figuring out the flow of it and how it's going to go and I was immediately struck by that 
like how neatly it does fit into a TV series, right? Yeah. And how it how it very much I was like, oh yeah, this does fit into little two three episode arcs. And I was there as we were recording, kind of like trying to take note of a time and going. Yep, that's that second episode there. That's that third episode there. That's and it fits nearly. K. This will be the thing, and it's nice to like get a as someone again who is the least familiar with the Avatar universe, still having not finished the series. I'm two seasons in. You I've still not watched- haven't finished it. How do you stop <laughs> that and not finish that? <laughs> Oh, you know, it's a, uh, you'll get there. I like, living, I like living on the edge. <laughs> I like not, not why. Maybe I'll, just, maybe I'll just never finish the series. Yeah, maybe just like Mass right. Effect with you. I know. You're oh in the same boat for Mass Effect. You finished season uh, game two. Game two. I'm halfway through three and I've never had it spoiled for me. But yeah, it's just, it's kind of fantastic to feel... It, it, made, it, it made me feel like a kid again to like kind of listen to one of those shows and just go, oh, it's very simple in its execution um, episode to episode. And you can really just see, like, I think it's a testament to Chris especially. And it's gonna, it is going to lead into a question that I have for you. Uh, but first, Zola. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk to Zola. I mean, like, yeah, because I did like a big binge listen of it the like last week. And I guess kind of similar, similar to um, you in that like, I thought it was like so clear, like the like the images and the paintings that we were all creating. Like, yeah, especially um, you, Chris, but also just in general, like you know, the fights and those really big moments of ours that we would start describing. Like, I thought it was really, really vivid. Um, the imagery that was there, and like I could see it all. It was very much like a TV show. I thought that was like so cool and very, very charming. Actually, very charming characters. And like a very charming tone to it all. And I really enjoyed it. I think it was really funny when it first started airing, we hadn't finished recording. No, we hadn't, had we? No. No, we'd only recorded maybe about half, uh, two thirds of the season when it first started coming out. And when I first started listening to it, I I did not like hearing myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard thing to get into. It was really rough. So I kind of stopped around around Iron Village, maybe a bit before then. Um, But then it's been so long now that listening back to it, I just found myself really enjoying it. And like that kind of awkwardness and like cringingness of hearing myself kind of disappeared. And I just like got really invested in the characters. Yeah. And yeah, I think everyone had really lovable, really. I know we were talking um, before about how you feel like Zhang was a little one dimensional, but I actually think everyone had quite interesting, complex characters. Mm. And Oh, yeah, I loved that episode where we talked about what playbook our characters would change to. Mm. Yes. And I thought that was really cool that we knew straight away where, like, where the character growth of all our characters were going. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was the episode where that was the playbook. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, because yeah. we have a whole episode yeah, just devoted to a, uh, a, ch- a change in system and talking through that. And it's really bolstered by the fact that this game encourages such a collaborative play. It really, f- it really feels like all of our fingerprints are on the story. Yeah, um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Well, I thought before <laughs> we, it moves to me, let's congratulate Zola on a first full season of the podcast. Yay! I feel like we should have shirts that say I was in Roll to Cast and all they gave me was this lousy t-shirt. Oh, I, would, I would die. I would love that so much. No, it honestly was so much. And like, I think that was like truly the beauty of this as someone like 
on the podcast is obviously it was so much fun to play and I had so much fun doing the game. But then listening back was just so fun and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, these were great. And, like, I've played D&D and, like, other RPGs before and on those really amazing sessions where everything just comes together and you're like, oh, that was like a movie. I wish I could hear that back. Yeah. And now you can. And now you can. With the music. I literally got through it and I was like, man, I'm going to be listening to this next week. Like, it was just so fun. And then to be able to relive it was, like, so great. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been been a pleasure. You were were fantastic. There's so many great mementos as well. We have um, great art by Centalia on Twitter. Um, which is just, it always makes me smile looking at all of our characters together. Mm. And our Discord and our, and our Instagram. 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 Yeah. You can That's find the, it yeah. Yeah, on uh, all of our socials. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I saw it on Facebook the other day. I was posting that on Facebook. Uh, that was yeah. my Facebook. That's because we're friends It's my on cover image. <laughs> On Twitter. Um, yeah, I had a great time. I, I had a really fun time. Um, thank you, everyone, for going on the, the full-on fun journey with me. Uh, it was a new system for me. Uh, I haven't played, other than as a player, I haven't run a uh, Powered by the Apocalypse game, so it was super exciting and super new for me. Um, I really love a sincere game. I love sincere characters. I love earnest characters. I love honest characters. I might not play them all the time. Says the, vamp- <laughs> says the vampire. Well, that, 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 no, it's like that, a- is, that is sort of like, I really um, I really love playing um, heavy genre, heavy like yeah, straight yeah. into one way uh, characters, uh, games. Uh, so I love like the gothic horror of Vampire the Masquerade, you know, an 18 plus game and and full of, you know, what it means to be human and, and losing humanity to a monstrous beast that resides within you. And also I like playing teenagers where they go on fun adventures and try and save the world yeah. and can do it. Yeah. And hope is a real option and, and, and sincerity and honesty and goodness and care are, are virtues and are espoused and are lifted up with cool martial art theme music underneath it. Hey, yeah. um, that's just cool <laughs> stuff for me. I, um, and uh, the, the people around this table... Um, made that made that adventure happen. So I'm um, I'm very grateful to all all of you. Um, it was a, a lovely journey to go on. Now I'm just what imagining is... Avatar of Darkness, like a blending of your last two games together. <laughs> yeah, okay. You've twisted my arm. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> oh no, I'll do that. Yeah. Oh, wait. That's called Mage the Awakening. Yeah. Yes. I I was gonna say I I had like just an opening question for you. It's kind of something that we ask like it in in the start of every season. And because I know that this hasn't been asked in our questions here, mm. what was the um the inspiration for you for the story that you ended up coming up with? Was it was it purely uh, just stemming from Phil Zhang's background with Bashira, or did you have that in mind beforehand? Like, how did you come to the actual story creation? The story creation came from me wanting to hook audiences to a previously unpacked moment in the Avatar universe that was uh, not talked about by any of the comics or any of like common fan fiction or any of like the kind of extended lore. Oh, is this that, untreaded ground? Yeah, Ooh. largely. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the Siege of Ba Sing Se happens in uh, 95 AG and this story takes in place 93. in 93. Mm. So I was like, well, the siege comes out of nowhere. It's deep in Earth Kingdom territory. How did they get to set up a siege like that's that would be years of planning and processing and all of that sort of stuff so i was like okay so there's there's something there we don't know much about iroh's son and that seemed like an interesting character to dive into and to to go from there uh and so that's where that story came from uh and then and then everything else everything else kind of fell in in and around that it it is sort of what you know what i'll talk about it now 
Because right. yeah, All right. that's kind of how. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the game sets up. Um, I, I, uh, I I love this game, and I think if I had, I had my time again, I would approach it completely differently. I, you know, that's the the you know what is it? Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. But there is advice in there about how to set up the game, and it is very much like, hey, do these things. These are non-negotiable. Sit down with the players and literally talk out what the story is going to be. Yes, mm. which we can do. That's yes. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In explicit terms, tell them what the story is. It's like act mm. one, act two, act yeah. three, go through it all. Yeah. 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 You and basically it, like st- almost storyboard. You storyboard it, right? Yeah. Collaboratively as a group. So there are no surprises mm. or none narrative str- uh, surprises that are like big Big twi- game shifting big, things. Big that, yeah. narrative twists where you're like, oh, we're going to a new location or this character is not the actual villain. This character is. Uh, maybe you can sneak one or two of those in, but it's it's tricky. And not in, I don't think, a hubristic way. I I read that and went, oh, that's not for me. Not because I'm better than it, but because I've seen similar advice in other games. I think I still could write a story that doesn't take that into account. But what I learned very quickly from this game was that um, the starting point of the game is the player's playbooks. And I didn't realize that as much. Mm. Um, That's just, that's what I would have my time again. Because I alluded to this earlier with a a little joke, but I created so many NPCs. Yeah. And it's it's a bloat. There's there's arguably too many. And if I'd followed either the book's approach or my own kind of approach which is just follow what the playbooks tell you to do i wouldn't have that bloat so that's that's something very interesting um i don't think it's uh, a criticism of the game but i think it is like maybe a warning if you're ex- super experienced with role-playing games that aren't powered by the apocalypse you're you're going to want to just play it by the book do it do it raw don't don't um rules is written do not do not try and tweak stuff yeah it was it was super interesting it's a very interesting game and i think i think there's a i was thinking about it i was like oh maybe it's like too too uh easy for like maybe it's designed for new players and it's just for new players and i don't think it is i think that's just how the game the game kind of works to also kind of aid in you know we have a lot of pre-production uh, on this show, uh, it gives the the GM time to write the story and all the players to kind of filter through ideas and, you know, just generally build a, a lot of excitement and buzz around that. Because um, I know I did a similar thing for Kids on Bikes, which, again, asks you to sit down and, and you all build the world together. And me as a GM, I was like, no. Well, no, because I need to write it. I like, yeah. <laughs> like for need a, time to well, do that. Yeah, I, yeah, and I need to write it for a podcast season. Was it like similar to that? Yeah, where, yeah. There is you- the one time we did follow the book in Kids on Bikes, mm. uh, and this is a little inside baseball. If you listen to season five, the first episode is Sean. You got it down in the edge to forty minutes, I think, or an hour. Uh, do you mean episode zero? Oh, episode oh, zero. Oh, episode I, zero. I, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, episode zero. I I looked at that and I went, "This needs to be cut." I do not want to do it. Yeah. And, then and I'm the savage cutter. I yeah, cut Phil everything. Went, nope. And yeah. literally took it down. Get rid of it I listen like 50%. I, listen, I love your editing. I think it's great. But every so often, I'm listening to stuff at your work you've nah. done, and I'm like, I would have cut that. That episode zero was two hours, Phil. Yeah. Yeah, it was super yeah. long. And yeah. that, I think a similar thing would have happened in this instance. Yes. And it's also not necessarily how our players play. I know Sean, for instance... Uh, I don't think likes the idea of the collaborative kind of like story building an arc, like oh, a three-act structure. The idea of us knowing everything that's going to happen, 
I would not enjoy it. Same. Yes. It's yes. like the excitement of like being presented with something new and being able to actually genuinely react to it. And if you knew what the plot line was, like even that one moment where we were in Senlin vi- Village and we were like, oh, we can't um, knock the dam down because that happens in Avatar. Yes. And it was, I was like, yeah, that's like a fun little meta moment. But if that was happening a lot, I think I'd be frustrated by it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think I could go either way. I, it, it there might be some advantage to this specific system in kind of going, this is your scene, here's where you start, here's where you end, and maybe leaving some, like almost a bit Brechtian of, you know, by the end of this scene our heroes will uh, walk away defeated and and then you kind of play in that so you still kind of find moments. Because I do feel like there were some moments in the game where I was like, ooh, I feel... I feel like maybe my instinct as a player is to go in this direction, but maybe the game really wants me to go here mm, yeah. kind of mm. thing. I'm, I'm going I'm to jump thought. this into the first question because I think this uh, follows on. So, we're going to start with Discord. Okay. Um, and this is from AZ. Easy. Hi, AZ. AZ, easy. I never know. <laughs> easy like Given this has been the longest of the season so far, uh, did you come across any new challenges as the GM to keep it feeling, still feeling like a roll to cast game or did the extra length come organically with an extra player at the table? I think the extra length comes naturally because there's an extra player. A- an episode of roll to cast, roughly, we are aiming for 30 to 35 minutes, yep. which divided by four is what? Seven? Eight? Yeah, seven, seven and a half minutes. 8.5, yep. right? Um, that means that, you know, as a group, we are looking to give each other like eight minutes, roughly talking around the table, around the mics per episode. Like that's kind of the, what the aim is. If you do that for three episodes, that's 24 minutes of extra time just across mm. three episodes, right? Mm. Like that's another eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes. And uh, in five episodes, you've actually got now seven episodes worth of time uh, or six episodes worth of time with an extra 40 minutes by then. So like there's a lot of um, that, that adds a, a significant amount of bloat um, to it. I would also say that it is a game which requires players to have creative authority and a real uh, articulation of how they progress when they succeed in something. Um, D&D, you roll a awareness check. The DM or a perception check. The DM describes what you see. Um, Call of Cthulhu, you roll a sanity check. You check on a chart and it tells you exactly what is going to happen. Avatar, you as the player describe what you do and then roll dice and see if you succeed. And if you succeed, you describe what happens next. Yeah, mm. um, Chris, Chris never also, rolls dice once. No, that's, I mean, that's right. <laughs> but it's also, it's not only that. It's like if two players are interacting and one like tries to convince them, the other player then might have another choice for like, oh, okay, you've succeeded in convincing me. I'm going to respond by accepting, not accepting, and and taking a condition. So each, each scene is a negotiation. Mm. Like, even between players, like after the role. So uh, it requires like everybody to muck in about what what happens in this scene next to yes, resolve which, to resolve the the mechanics. Which mm. also adds to uh, our necessity to rely, and Sean did a really strong job of it, of putting the out of character chat in the game. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's, that's which definitely which something that adds, um, adds a stack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that was a purpose and that was purposely done as well because I and I talked about this in Discord when we were 
asked about it a while ago is I usually try and in terms of trying to still make it feel like a role to cast every couple of seasons I'll try something new stylistically and for avatars very much okay a lot of the game talk is staying in more than what I would usually put in there because it was so contextually important to the story too yeah I mean definitely we we put in way more of the game and I also think to the point where I like to the point I as the player uh, as the DM don't roll dice means that I can't model the game effectively to the other players right typically in in our structure I or whoever's the DM runs the game and kind of models how you want to play it, right? Like my initial responses tell you and set the tone of how the game is going to play. Like in Vampire, for instance, um, when I show you a scene and you try and do something where you try and rock the boat and you get pushed back down, Mm. that's setting the tone player to GM. Yeah. In this, because you have authority... I can't really do that as much as just set up a scene and be like, off you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, sometimes, we can feel it. sometimes you get a scene in a, in a role playing game and it's like, whatever happens, I have to open this box. <laughs> you know, there, there are certain different ways I can go about opening this box, but by the end of the scene, the box must be open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it took us a long time sometimes to work out that there was a box and then, <laughs> and then also how to open it. Yeah. I, love, I love this analogy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, there's a big difference and this is across all uh, Power by the Apocalypse games to a more or lesser degree, but where the mechanics sit, in relation to what's going on around the table. So the mechanics are, are, are in this are a lot to do with role play and emotional stakes. Whereas a lot of most most other games I would argue the mechanics are around obstacles. Yes. Do your player faces do you overcome them or not? Yeah. Mm. Right? And that that's to a degree like a plead you need a certain outcome so you plead with people. But there's also moments you're like, well, I want to emotionally affect your character because it makes an interesting scene, right? I, I want to say, for instance, um, Clove saying, why don't we just sneak off and, and leave these two people we don't know much about and just go strike out on our own, right? Mm. That's not an obstacle you have to overcome. That's a that's a role-playing character moment that you want to explore with my character and the mechanics let us resolve that and give us effects from it. That doesn't really occur in other games. No, it's so different. It's actually something that I really love about this game because it forced you to make choices that your character wouldn't necessarily... Going into a conversation, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Clove is going to want to stay here. Like, in that moment, I was kind of forced, in a way, by the roles because I think... I can't remember what happened, but I think uh, you failed a role against me. So then I had to try and affect you. And then I think I failed that role, something like that. But I I essentially was forced to try and make a decision against what you'd said. So I was kind of had to go that way. And it kind of like added this whole other layer to her character that would not have been there if I was not forced by the dice Mm. to make that choice. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Like I love that there's an emotional an emotional gameplay going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big even, fan of it. Even the fact that you can uh you cannot accept a guide and comfort. Yeah. You know, that it it, it it's it's this idea of the role playing trying to become enmeshed and, and no it is enmeshed in the system um it reminds me of another uh, uh powered by the apocalypse game by magpie games bluebeard's bride where there's a mechanic called shiver in fear which is like if the gm is spooky enough with descriptions and a player visibly recoils 
that triggers a mechanic. <laughs> but like yeah. the fact that you can go, I refuse your, uh, in what would be in another game, a, just a little role play scene free of system. It would just be like a buff. Yeah. Like, do you want to get healed? Yes, I want to get healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just a little talk where we go, okay, we put the system to the side for a sec. Now it's 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 fully engaged and I can go, I can see how you're trying to um, evolve the story through this emotional moment and I'm going to help that with a, with a system thing. I'm going to deny this call out, which mm. is going to create more conflict and create more juicy story moments. Just to, to bring it back to the question, I think that's the reason all that stuff has to get left in is because the role play is not separate from the mechanics so that it needs to be contextualised, which is why that extended out and why it's a bit longer, I think. Mm. What's the next question, Sean? Oh, well, the next question. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Question, Chris, comes from Chris Channels. Cool. Chris Chris. From Chris Channels to Chris mm-hmm. on oh, to the Roll to Cast channel. To me. Yes. Uh. Um, well, actually, no, it's for all of us, but oh, we can start good. with you. Okay. Um, because this is a conversation that you started with us. So, Chris Channels says, given that the Avatar franchise is, is aesthetically and conceptually influenced by many real-world cultures, was there any kind of conversation before or even during the game about portraying your characters in an authentic yet respectful way? Yes. We went out of our way to... Um secure a Asian Australian musician composer Composer. uh, who used appropriate instrumentation in part because we want to be respectful of uh, cultures and we want to engage with them honestly but also because they're going to be way more skilled in using them than we ever would and have a cultural understanding of how to use them in a dynamic way. Yes. Mm. In terms of us as performers, yeah, we had a we had a quick chat. Uh, I deliberately drew the comparison, the real world comparisons. So the Fire Nation is uh, Japan inspired. The uh, Earth Kingdom is Chinese inspired. The Water Kingdom is uh, Inuit inspired. Mm-hmm. And the air nomads are Nepalese, uh, kind of yes. yeah, Himalayan yeah. culture. It's Himalayan very, culture. It's, yeah. yeah, and so we we talked about that. I I think in all of our games we work in the performing arts, so there is a we are we're aware of cultural significance, mm. uh, and so that was a deliberate thing that we went in with. Yeah, and, and also like yeah. pretty like obvious like things to note, but we have a conversation nonetheless. It's like don't do voices. Yes, like oh, yeah, 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 exactly. We are. Uh, Bunch of white people well, it, doing. Well, they don't Avatar. do Asian voices in the show. No, so. but it's, you can see how it could easily drop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's also a thing of it's an it's a really interesting conversation because Avatar is a show made by white people. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, using using a kind of hodgepodge of a lot of Asian cultures and influences um, in, in some ways very respectfully. And I think the, the thing that they talk about in the making of Avatar is that there's never a one-to-one parallel, which I think kind of strengthens the, the show in that there's a lot of influences, but it's never directly saying this is Nepal, this is China, yeah. this is Japan, yeah. um, this is Mongolia. Like it, it's a lot of influences that come from a lot of research. You know, of course there can always be more conversations in including different voices. Um, the, the Avatar team, you know, there's a lot of little inside jokes of how far they've done research and including little gags and, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the Chinese, script if you read it is accurate but there's also like a lot of jokes in there it's an interesting conversation it is yeah yeah it's very interesting because like we at the end of the day I guess for me I certainly approached it of I'm just gonna play this teen girl like I as a white person didn't feel comfortable thinking of her as a Chinese girl because that's that's not appropriate so I know for me yeah that I just kind of played her as myself and that's kind of as far as I felt it appropriate to be able to take. And then from there, like, I think what we did was really focus more on their emotional their emotional story. And so hopefully that's something that um, lots of people can relate to. So hopefully the fact that we did not make it um, culturally specific, because I don't think any of us really did. Yeah. Um, I hope no. that fact means that uh, mm. lots of people are able to relate to it. Yeah. I think we, we made a big effort to honour the show and yes. the show – Honors the cultures that inspired it. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, yeah, because it's uh, nothing is going to be a, a direct parallel because you know the, how can you as a playing someone from the Fire Nation? Yes, it has a lot of stylistic influence from uh, Imperial Japan, but it's also got a lot of Chinese influence yeah. and a lot of like also other d- different cultural influences. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. well, I can't play that. I'm not gonna. I'm from the Fire Nation. <laughs> it's also, it's a, it's a, outside of like you know sensitivities and stuff. It's really nice to from aesthetic perspective to have Asian architecture and, yeah. and sort of cultural norms, clothing styles that we can describe because everything you know from this kind of level of technology in fiction is medieval Europe, right? So it's really nice to have pagodas and shrines and and you know if as long as you again are not you know, taking it into pastiche. Yeah. It's really refreshing and yeah. nice to live in that world and and, and uh, honour those aesthetic the, choices. The difference between celebration and, and appropriation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 But also yeah. we're white people. So if you feel like we did a bad job and Let you come know. from... Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah. We are always open to learn and be better. So please. Yeah. Uh, Sean, next oh, question. Oh, I always... Damn, I had a good segue oh, no. for it. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I've got, I've got this, I'm guys. So <laughs> Speaking of celebrating, everyone. Oh, hey. Hurricane Hawk has decided to give us a way to celebrate our story and our characters as he says for each player what was your favorite moment to role play during the series and would you have done anything different if you could let's you can nominate someone nominate someone yeah i was gonna zola <laughs> <laughs> why would you do this um oh only one yeah one i'm gonna say i know my one because oh, and i we actually already brought it up because like i really enjoyed it it was like one of the moments where i felt the most invested in the character and that is when you called me out Phil. about um, trying to leave I don't know them. if I can even look at you. Well. Um, I'm going to get our friends and you need to think hard about what you value the most. I know I led us on this quest for vengeance, but 
it doesn't mean we can trample on the friends that we have too. I think this really gets to her. I think she just kind of like crumbles and I think she's crying. I loved loved that moment because Iron Town was really fun. Um, It was this moment where like she's got this like budding thing with Tariq, but for some reason she, the dice force her to want to leave. And I remember in that moment, like, I remember stopping and coming out of role play because I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to think I'm, I think she's going to ask to leave. And you guys were like, well, well then do okay. it. And I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, it was just so like, I don't know. It was very engaging for me. It was very exciting. I love that it like kind of honoured our relationship, like Zhang and Chloe's relationship. I love that it was like a little bit dramatic. That was a very cool. I think I think Iron Town's one of my favorite little sections of the series anyway. But yeah, I remember that specific moment. I just like really loved. Anything you do differently? Oh, oh in that moment? I, know, I think just, he means generally. Yeah, yeah, just if you could go back and. and uh, yeah, do I wouldn't different. say like so much. Uh, <laughs> welcome to podcasting, no, where you I hate think, your voice. I think in general. No, mm-hmm. but I think, I mean, knowing the game system would have been better. I felt I got lost often, I feel like, with all the different options. Um, so there was like, you know, I had um, status, like negative statuses inflicted for a really long time because I just like wouldn't look at them. I would forget about mm. it and I'd be like, oh, I have to try clear yeah. that oh, eventually. I have to do this, that's right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but in general, no, I, I really loved the season. Nominate. Uh Chris. Oh. <laughs> oh, because uh, Chris had a separate question. Oh, well, there you oh. go. Uh, then I nominate Phil. Ah. <laughs> um, so for me, it was uh, Chris and my moment with the old man, the old soldier mm. who taught me extra techniques. Oh, yeah. He laughed. How can I ever be strong enough? How can we ever make a difference? He walks over to you, puts a hand on your shoulder and says... We do not fight to win. We fight to protect those we care about. If winning is all that we want, we will try and take over our worlds and dominate them without care. Just like the Fire Nation. The reason they hurt us is because they do not care. The reason we fight back is because we do. I think I understand. I just, I, 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 I really sank into Zhang at various points, which I found I, I, really liberating. It was, it was great. Um, sometimes, you know, I- improv for, for silliness is relatively easy. Improv is, it's a difficult skill in its own thing. And obviously we, we practice a hell of a lot to get to this point in the show. But improv for kind of silliness and wackiness is, is kind of okay. But when you're being earnest, it can, it can really quickly trip over your words and, and kind of say the wrong thing or, 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 or kind of repeat yourself or get lost. But with Zhang, he had such a clear kind of idea of what he wanted and what his purpose was. I got these really earnest moments of, of improv. Yeah, yes, in speechifying and stuff. But like with Chris and his NPCs and that moment in particular, it stands out to me as this... I, I I was really affected during the performance of that. Like I felt not just Jang was learning, but I was gaining a bit of perspective as well. And it's a really it's a really good thing to to experience as an actor hmm. um, through a role is you're actually embodying the lessons that the character is learning. Um, and as an adult playing a teenager, I know, yeah. I know. But that that kind of clarity and boiling down to to principles is what makes 
teen like well done teen drama so engaging i think because yeah. it yeah. strips away a lot of the adult crustiness that we lay on top of things you know? yeah the cynicism the, the pragmatism. cynicism yeah. The pragmatism yeah exactly yeah. right what would exactly you do different right. um i i think i think maybe i would have tried to give a little bit of a lighter side to zhang somewhere along the line uh he has he has a couple of moments but listening back to it, I'm like, oh my god, he's so serious. <laughs> I do, I do like that in like comparison to everyone else. I like though. the balance yeah. of it. I, I yeah, wouldn't, for I sure. wouldn't go very far. I just think he needs a little, just a soup song, a little soup, <laughs> little soup song of, he is in of, the middle of levity. A, a war as well. Yeah. yeah, but maybe Nominate. that's what comes after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nominate. Uh, that's to you, Sean. Oh, okay. I reckon honestly, for me, my favorite moment would have been. When I finally knew, I mean, I, I, Tariq is the easiest character I've ever been able to play. <laughs> uh, easiest voice I came up with, and I was like, "Oh, I know this guy. I know this idiot." Back to front now. Mm. Um, but by the time we get to uh, seeing the Earth uh, Militia Force from the bushes, um, Bush Tariq <laughs> is my favorite oh. because by that point I understood. Oh. Okay, I know how to set up the gag with Tariq. I know how to follow through, and I know how to get the landing. Um, because he's the comic relief of the series. And so from the pairing of the bushes where Clove and Tariq are in one bush and then the other two in the other, oh, what are the odds, to Bush Tariq, to the monologue uh, that he does in front of him, it just like, that was just a whole bunch of fun. Yeah, man, um, the young kid will turn around and be like, Bush, man, hi, hi, I'm Tariq in a bush. It's not my name, but it's what I'm doing. How are you? I'm well. Yeah? <laughs> Sorry that this was a... Look, this is a kind of weird. Context is needed. But uh, should I just take the bush off or can I... Are we safe here? Can you? Can I be safe? No, take the bush off. Oh, yeah. Okay, do that. Do you want it? <laughs> no. Okay. I'll just leave the bush here and he steps outside. Was great. Yeah. And it just... That, that to me, I was like, okay, I know how this guy this guy plays. Um, you'd hope so by that point in the series. But yeah, it was... I think it was the most fun. It was, it's just the ease. And I was like, oh, I know every move he's going to make now. Great. This is easy. What would you do different? Uh, get better at calling people out. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, because I, I, I would say... Um, unequivocally that I think Zola was the best at calling people out. Zola did it quick and fast, often. Just mm. like, I'm calling you As well because you were the guardian, there was yeah. the sense of like almost being the, not maybe not mentor figure, but the kind of, uh, if not the de facto, like, because Zhang's oh, more like the kind leader, of the leader, but the you're emotional. kind of the, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're the one who's always telling us to, you know, fly right and and holding us by our morals. And so, yeah. yeah but I but I say this to say that, like, um, I would I would watch you doing a lot of moments and go, oh, yeah, that would have been a good moment. Oh, yeah, I can do that. And then just wouldn't do it. Um, like, I, I wasn't quick enough on those things. And so, uh, similar to you, Zola, like, just a, a better grasp on the system and being, to, being able to know the different plethora of things that I can employ in a given scene. And that just comes down to being able to balance um, such a a system that demands you to be so mechanically focused while simultaneously being so role-play focused mm. at the same time. Mm. So I often didn't get that balance. Huh. Um, correct, unfortunately. Um, Melon. Hey, kind of was a hard one. A hard one to crack for me. There were there was one thing that I was very sure about her in that she was never going back home. <laughs> like that's the that's the true fixed point of making her as a character. But I think all of the doubt came from because what do you okay okay that's a really important choice to make. <laughs> then what? 
you've essentially got nothing now. You've got no family. You've got no history. You've got, all right, so now you run away from home. <laughs> what do you do? Um, so it was, it was hard and I, I, I felt a lot of that doubt as the character but also as the player going, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> uh, but I feel like the one time that I was really clear about what I wanted to do and it just all kind of came together really nicely was uh, Kana telling the uh, officers, the Fire Nation guards, who had followed her wanting to follow in her lead to throw away their uniform. I will never fight for the Hoshi clan. If I still have breath in me, it will be to burn down everything my family has made. If you you want to follow what I've done, then take off that armor. Kana Hoshi says one of the soldiers. Are you sure? I've never been sure of anything in my life. They begin taking off their armour. They throw it at your feet. That yeah, I was like, ooh. Men. Yeah, I, feel, I felt that one. I ooh. got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a character who uh, so much of, of her time on the podcast was spent in, in doubt. I don't know how to – I know I want to go forward, but I don't know how. Yeah. Um, I think kind of had like a lot of individual lines rather than like big speechy moments. Yeah. So there's a couple of it. <laughs> a lot of emphatic statements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's Lots like, of nevers and no's. <laughs> yeah. I like things like, you know, I, it's my job to forgive people, you know, even people who don't deserve it. Mother. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah some, good ones. some scorching zingers. <laughs> yeah. You know? Truly. What was, uh, what, what was something you would do differently? I think I, I hung on to my playbook a bit too long. I think I was really trying to make it work for me and I think probably I should have uh, changed it after the mine and and started on a new one. Can I talk to that point? Sure, if you would like yeah, to. Yeah, if, if you don't mind. Well, no, no, because I just remember it was a thing where I think in hindsight I went, oh, I've probably... I probably left it a bit too long to change playbooks. That that was probably the right moment back there. <laughs> I wonder if a new moment will come up. I hope so. <laughs> and then um, Chris presented well, me. Chris well, Chris was going to make it happen because uh, yeah. it was so clear. Uh, in pre-production, I suggested that you don't play it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, I should have listened. Well, in retrospect, I, I, sh- I shouldn't have suggested it. Uh, I, I would I would have strongly I, I would have said um, I in knowing what I know now as as the guy who, who ran it mm. um, I would have said don't don't play it because what you articulated just then yeah. where you were like I know my character's never going back yes. then the twin yeah. question of progress or tradition, tradition. is actually a resolved question yeah. and so the playbook yeah. is irrelevant yeah. and also in your playbook it's like don't make them a character who's hiding in like the um in the bushes. Every any character, any NPC should instantly know this character and instantly know what they're about. Yeah, and that's literally, what and that's what yeah. I, like, how like you it's, it's literally in, in the thing. <laughs> that's and, so funny. And so, um, and that's what I meant by at the very beginning when I said answer the question. The playbooks tell what the game is going to be. Mm. Yeah, like you yeah. just you get four players, three players, or however many players you're going to get. They pick their playbooks, then you figure out what the story is going to be. Yeah. It's not the other way around, which is what I did and what most DMs yeah. will do. Yeah, because yeah. if you don't, like the whole thing with the hammer is you have an enemy. Yeah. Like you're chasing. Yeah, if Phil you don't was have like, that, yeah, then, it doesn't, you, then you're not the hammer. Then you're not the hammer. The book doesn't do anything. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that's a thing I regret is not having Bashira be an episodic uh, enemy. enemy. Yeah, um, yeah is right. That I would have uh, eliminated one of the other NPCs, um, probably Kana's mother. 
and have it be Bashira. Yeah, uh, yeah it makes sense. Uh, coming uh, uh, Bashira more often. More often, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, two other times to, to make it rule of three. Yeah, uh, and have and me early, use my playbook. Yeah, and, yeah. an early encounter, lose, an early encounter, lose. And, you know, I'm, I'm so used to other systems where you, you, you know, you fall forwards. Uh, but usually you fall forwards with pretty severe consequences. This game doesn't have those sorts of severe mm, consequences. Mm. Death, all that sort of stuff is yeah. not on the table. Yeah. So uh, if Bashira beats the four uh, characters, so oh, oh well. The story the goes story, on. The story yeah, goes yeah. on. They'll yeah. wake up the next morning you, and Yeah, you live to fight and, and another you, day. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was, that's, uh, to answer the question, what I would have done differently is, is definitely that. But I suspect you have a different no. question. No, so Hurricane, Hurricane has said, for the GM, yeah. uh, how many times did you have to remind yourself that you had to stop watching the players being awesome and that you had to get the story rolling again? So that, that idea of like allowing role play to continue on rather than the progression of the narrative. That uh, balance. Very rarely. I think I did a fairly decent job of prompting and poking towards the goal, but I I didn't think that I had to do it too often. Mm. I think if anything, I should have set up more scenes with more clear goals rather than scenes where players had... Uh, so the checkpoint scene where... Uh, you all had to get like money to stay the yeah. night. Yes. Fine, but maybe a little more clearly describing like, okay, so this is your objective. Da, 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 da. Maybe maybe a little more of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. In yeah. retrospect, I'm maybe being too harsh on myself there. I think you are because I don't know. It, it felt like there was lots of times where it had clear objections of us to get I guess, I guess it really helps that Phil was the hammer because we had such a strong yes, it was need to, to be go. together. Yeah. And so even this thing of like you wish Bashira had come in later, I personally love that he didn't because, I mean, it might have messed up your playbook a bit, Phil, because... I still had plenty to do. Yeah, yeah you still had plenty to do and you still used your, your playbook really well. It made well. him a very menacing it, villain it, to yeah. me. And I think <laughs> as soon as you meet them, they are less frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kana's mother, by the end, I was like, <laughs> oh, she's still, you know, still wary of her, but I didn't... She's Feel level the same two fear. villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so like it really set him up as this really omnipresent thing over the series, and I loved that. The fact yeah. that it was his laugh as well was yeah. So I think uh, yeah, I I feel pretty okay with with how I balance those those two yeah, things. Nice. Uh, nice. And I think this is the sort of game that rewards players taking authority. Yeah, Tiger Claw has a question for all of us. Um, what was it? <laughs> Uh, what was everyone's favorite move slash skill, either by their own character or another character? Mm. I don't know. I, I'm going to do this one because um, it's also just one of my favorite moments because it's so clearly set up. It was a it was a moment, which is why I really um, enjoyed the use of a skill because Chris had so clearly set up the scene to utilize this one skill, which is your rules are stupid. No, don't. Uh, I oh, feel so much great. embarrassment and shame. It, it was, <laughs> but it was so great. It's one of those, I think it's an example of one of those things where you have a clearly defined like outcome that that is specifically designed to one particular thing. And when you hit that moment, there's such like a euphoric moment. I think that's where like Powered by the Apocalypse can really shine when Ooh. a move like it maybe it only gets to be used once, but when it gets used, yeah. it's it's so emphatically joyful and and just to hear Ellen be like, "Your rules are stupid." <laughs> yeah, well, when I figured the, out um, what I was meant to be doing, it's the Pathfinder D and D Starfinder rule of like uh, the mage has picked a spell. You create a scene, and it's a weird spell. It's a strange spell. Yeah, why have they got this? I guess I'll this. put it in. Yeah. Your job as the DM is to look at the sheet and put it in. Yeah. Otherwise, you've actively done harm to the player. So when Ellen picks that, 
I'm going, well, now I have to put it in. Yeah. So now I, you, and I think that would probably be the only moment where I did have to kind of pro- poke a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I, I think, again, it's that, it's that uh, being used to other kind of systems where you're like, oh, oh, how do I get my way out of this? And you're just kind of like troubleshooting different options. And it's like, yeah. just just look in front. Just look on your player sheet. Otherwise, yeah. my bad habits were fun to indulge. Yeah, yeah. bad habits yeah. are great. It's just like, it's like either do it yourself or bring someone with you. And those were fun. Oh, there's so many little moments. I'm trying to think of, but they're specifically moves. Moves or skills of yeah. your own I or mean, someone else's. The, the, the whole idea that, Chris, Sean, and Zola kind of collaboratively created a move that that means that two two benders, earth and water, must come together to heal. Um, I just thought it was just chef's chef's I think, kiss. I feel like, like we expanded the law of the yeah, of the show I a little bit. Did. and it was also, f- but it was like feeding on a lot of stuff. Like it was like it, it, it's a moment that you can tell comes from a love of Avatar. You know, inspiration from uh, the other koi spirits. Um, the yin and yang. The yin and yang. Yeah. Um, when do you reckon we're going to get our royalty checks for this? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> But also the that idea part. of exp- yeah. like uh, exploring, you know, Tariq being like, uh, there is healing. Obviously, there's wa- there's water healing, but I can't do that. You know, it's not it's not a thing allowed to me by yeah by the the water nation. It's it's for women only. And yeah, th- th- it was just like expanding on the law. It was it was two characters coming together emotionally, and and you know this really special move that both of you have to use together. I was like, that's. Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. More please. <laughs> Just on that thing about like some of the moves being extremely situational. In fact, I think that's my that's one my one bugbear with the whole system is that some moves are like extremely situational. They're like when a grown up offers you a fish on a Tuesday. Oh, I yeah, love that move. It's so, that's so you can, true. You can get two. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like called it's two, not, it's it's two, two fish two Tuesday. One. <laughs> two fish Tuesday. It's like when that comes up, that's amazing. That you get two so fish. Yeah. Two fish. That's so good. Chris but is like, like oh, you, I got to make that scene now. You, yeah. you run the risk well, of I've, you run the risk of either missing it yes. or it never being useful, right? And that's a shame. You well, can, just to, to, on that point, that's why the game wants you to Collectively construct yes. the arcs. Oh, so, so that they all things come in. When yes. I really th- yes. that makes yes. sense. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. Why yeah. they're so subsistence. But I'm, yeah. I'm going ans- <laughs> <laughs> to answer my question in a slightly more kind of straightforward way. Yes. I loved Overwhelm. Yeah. Overwhelm is yeah. a combat technique from the hammer and it's really good. It it's is. A, it's one line. Punch with all your weight behind it. Mark three fatigue to inflict stunned. Great. Boom. Beautiful. We love it. And it's it. really good. It's it very is. handy. I don't, I don't think very you really handy. use it that much. <laughs> it's, a, it's, got a, it's got a huge cost, but it cancels the other the opponent's turn, which is yes. a huge advantage. Yes. And it doesn't require like a lot of wrangling back and forth. Oh, they can choose to do this or do this. Or do this. It's just like it does this. This happens. Yeah, okay. ah, you're the hammer. It's you're simple. the hammer. You overwhelm them. Yeah. You, go, you strike. And I had lots of fun describing the ways in which I Ooh. 
leapt into the fray with that move. Yeah. So I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, as our main fighter as well, it was very satisfying for us to have someone who was like pummeling people. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Zola? Um, my favourite, this is so selfish, but my favourite <laughs> was my furrowed brow, which maxed my focus to three. Yes. Because nice. like, A, I rolled amazing. Like that was so fun you for me. You always did. Yeah, it was pretty wild. <laughs> Friendship dice. I gave you those dice. Yeah, I will take that. And then also, yeah, my furrowed brow made my focus just so good. And like I think I think for me mm. one reason I really liked it is it it really grounded who the character was for me. I was like, above all else, she is focused and therefore she is calm. And like it it had all these like um carry-on effects into other thing parts about her personality. And yeah, it was also just fun always being like, Oh yeah, I only rolled a, a seven, but I'm <laughs> still amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being able to roll like oh, I rolled a four. So I still passed, so I passed. Yeah. but with my plus 20. Yeah, yeah. it's really no. satisfying What, what about you, Chris? Like being able to see all those moves, did you have one that you particularly enjoyed? Yeah, could you pass me your character sheet there, Zola? Zola. Uh, the other one, thank you. you should ah. move if it's up. not, um, it's, it should be Gout of Flame, but character. Gout so, of Flame. Uh, yeah, the, the, gout, the, the dragon's breath kind of like, uh, that was cool, the Gout of Flame, the kind of, what is it, Breath of Fire or something? Yeah. Something yeah. Like yeah. That. You can a wall of fire, you have to like take four fatigue. That was really cool. Um, that's good. a that's an Iro uh, skill is yeah. is where that's from. But I personally did you love the combination of moves that I would do where it would is that the, the one you're thinking? Of? Sorry, it just no. sounds like Chris is, is about to it's order something. The, uh, the it's, wrong sheet. It's like protect and retaliate was a really good combo. Uh, no, it was I, very I, I useful. I want the one. I want one of the harmony ones. It's one oh. of the harmony ones, and I think it's like the uh, it's a simple action where you just like push someone's balance over. Ah, oh, none of us had harmony. No, and that's, that's it. Uh, test balance. Test, yeah. test balance. balance. It's an evade maneuver. Yes. It's an evade um, yeah. Test balance. What a great thing to do mm. uh, as a DM to be like, I'm just going to psychologically manipulate your character and I win the combat that way. Or I, I win oh, the exchange. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Mm. What a fantastic tool to have at my dispense to be like, you know what? And I mean, you can use it with, you know, uh, strike or pressure or retaliate, right? Like these don't have to necessarily have to be combat. They can be verbal as well. It's an that, exchange. That actually it's do- not necessarily yeah. a yeah. I enjoyed, You did that a bit, didn't you, I enjoyed Ellen? using that to challenge Nanako to yeah. Agni Kai. I loved it. And I thought it for your cat, because you did it twice, I think. And it, I thought it just made so much both sense. With that the mother, you right? Yes, because yeah. you would Why would you be fighting your mother like that. Like mm. it made so much sense that you would take it psychological. <laughs> <laughs> this is mother-daughter fighting yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, this is the real stuff right here. Uh, I, I like being able to say words as a character to another character, uh, as an NPC or as a GM to the players character and be like okay now you have a consequence to that yeah. not just you know my you know I, I've had plenty of times where I've had an NPC be like here is a perfectly reasonable justifiable argument to against whatever your character's belief is and the players have just gone no i know sell it i i I am unswayed by that argument yeah it's like well yeah but also well boo apply that (laughs) apply that to apply that to like a combat scene and it's Mm. like well i'm unaffected by the the hits that i'm done like i'm you know yeah yeah i shot you no no. No. Well, no, no, you didn't. Yeah, That's yeah. what I do in real life. You know, just, <laughs> you no. get shot and it's like, oh, you're hurt. It doesn't hurt. I'm damaged, but I'm not actually... That was part one of the postseason meditation for Avatar Homeland. Come back next week for the second half with more of your questions answered. 
And remember, you have been listening to Homeland, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Roll to Cast. Avatar Legends, the role-playing game, was created by Magpie Games. Nickelodeon, Avatar, and all related titles, logos, and characters are trademarks of Viacom International Incorporated. Let's, uh, um, Sean, just two seconds. I don't know how long that's been playing. I don't know if my mic picked up. My, um, so you, for, for post-season's uh, sake, uh, my, my, my phone decided to play. You remember that U2 album that went onto every single Apple? Yes, yes, I do. I was thinking about that the other day because I saw Bono apologize. If there's anyone who's going to be litigious, it's Bono. I'm just gonna take the battery out. <laughs> it won't spontaneously turn it off. Yeah, I turn it off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm back. Um, I don't think it's been audible. But uh, <laughs> I'm not starting again. Um, <laughs> Bono's coming back. Bono's <laughs> In uh, every podcast. This is a challenge to you, Bono. Um, I can't remember where I was. Strike us down. We'll only become more powerful. Um, we're talking about how you've never finished this season. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.